to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, all those songs about the road. Quite by accident, we've reached episode 50 of the podcast, so in celebration of this fact, we thought we'd do a perfectly standard episode. Boom. The first three-way chat of the year between Steve Bonham, Kev Moore and the Bishop. Steve takes us time-travelling with a trip to his past, exploring in his attic. Kev takes us once again back to his trip in autumn last year, doing the Camino Trail in northern Spain. And the Bishop, that's me, I bring part two of my chocolate adventures. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you've joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Thanks for joining us for this, our 50th episode of the podcast. It's quite, quite nuts, really, uh, that we've done 50 of these things. Thanks for sticking with us if you've been around for a while. Uh, thanks for joining us if this is your first time. There's plenty of content in today's show, so just a, a quick reminder from me first. If you're interested in hearing some great chat and some great music from fellow vagabonds, make sure you check out our YouTube show. We call it our YouTube show, but we also upload it to Facebook as well, so you get what I mean. Um, it's an audio-visual thing as opposed to this podcast, which is just an audio thing. Anyway, the YouTube show uh, is called The Transatlantic Connection Show, uh, and the next episode is out on Tuesday the 19th of January 2021. Uh, and this one features a chat between our very own Kev Moore and Ted Russell Camp, a great American singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist, active in the world of country music and southern rock. So just search for Transatlantic Atlantic Connection show uh, and you'll find us. Uh, we've got a small back catalogue of episodes as well featuring UK and American artists, key industry figures and various bits of nonsense from the long road as well. Uh, so on to today's podcast. Our first three-way chat between the long road in 2021 is coming up in just a moment. Uh, please do forgive the sound on Kev's audio. Uh, a compressor was left on somewhere in the, the chain of recording technology so it sounds a bit like he's dialing in on a phone from the 80s uh, but it's still all audible I promise um, if you're so inclined you know think of Kev this week as an exponent of you know vintage or retro podcasting and all troubles shall be cleared anyway on with the show over to me <laughs> of the long road are together again digitally uh, for the first time in 2021 so happy new year chaps happy new year bishop happy new year it's it's not the first episode of the of the um, of the year for the podcast listeners but it's the first time that they're hearing all three of us talk so lovely to be back with you all over here at vagabond hq we've been working away at a, a project that's coming out in a couple of weeks uh, and a big bunch of that project has been looking back over the the music we've released over 2020 so from the end of 2019 up to 2021 uh, and sort of thinking about where these songs came from. So we thought it was a bit of a topic to discuss to, with the three of us. What inspires us? How we decide to make that leap from idea to 
you know starting a song or starting a new piece um so so kev what are your what are your thoughts what's how do you feel about this sort of the spark of the creative process what goes on for you yeah it's it's something that that fascinates me and probably also terrifies me in equal measure because yes. if we start pulling it apart will it you know will it dissipate the magic you know the, yeah. the voodoo yeah, yeah. of whatever it is but i know various things that inspire steve to write and and the same for myself and Sometimes it's not always even the, the subject matter. It might be a sound, you know, that makes me think yeah, of yeah. writing something. Um, that often happens for me with a new instrument. I think we've spoken before about uh, when you get a guitar. A friend of mine over in the States has, has said that she believes there's songs in a guitar and you have to pull them out, you know. On my, my trek across um, the, the southern states, the, it was clear to me... I, I hadn't planned to go and have inspiration for an album but it seems to me and i'm sure steve will agree that you you only need to be 10 minutes on the highways over there and 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 hitting the the villages and towns and and you just know you're going to come back with something because you're bombarded with history and ideas and and inspiration and i think they can come in in a variety of ways Uh, sometimes it's a person you meet sometimes it's a tale you've been told you know you guys know me i've just got dozens of notebooks of things mm. and, and a, you know, a phone full of bits. I think you're more disciplined than, than me with that, Steve, actually. It's something I, I kind of try and remind myself to do uh, with, with regard to song ideas. It'll, it'll crop in my head and I'll go, oh, I, I must sort of, you know, use that another day. And quite often it'll disappear into the, in, into the sort of ether again because I haven't remembered to make a note, you know, and you're, you're very good at that. My notes app on my phone is full of little ideas of things, mm-hmm. little, little sort of notions. I guess that's the sort of a sign of the times. I'm perhaps more te- technologically inclined to write a note like that, whereas yeah. Steve has a bunch of notepads that he keeps and refers to. I'm with him on the notebook thing, though, actually, because it, although I write a lot of stuff on, on my iPad and what have you, when I did the Camino, it never occurred to me to, to write my journal of that on an iPad. It, it had to be written. There's something, it's, I don't know if it's to give it a certain gravitas. Uh, I know I find it hard to read my own bloody handwriting after writing (laughs) it. But um, it certainly, it seemed the right thing to do. Can't explain why. I think a lot of it for me is, think about just collecting everything, you know, hopefully remembering where it is. It's the fact is you don't know. You really don't know if it's going to be any, if that's going to be useful or not. I remember once doing this big hike, first day through the Atlas Mountains, and I must have got really, really dehydrated or something, but I'd walked 26 miles at altitude. And as I was walking, staggering, staggering, let's be honest, towards the end of the day, I kept looking at the ground and seeing these beautiful, shiny stones like lying on the ground, which yeah. I thought, wow, I'm going to put... So I picked them up and I put them in my pocket and... Uh, collapsed into a deep and exhausted sleep when I got to where we were stopping. Then I remembered them the next day, a couple of miles in, and I put my hand in my pocket and, you know, basically took out a fistful of rubble. (laughs) And this is an overworked analogy. It's a a beautiful metaphor, Steve. But, you know, know, sometimes in the throes of delirium, you, you, you can probably find some of the best ideas, you know. 
with enough friction in your pocket, those bits yeah. of rubble could sh- turn to shiny, beautiful yeah. stones. <laughs> carry them around long enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you carry it around long enough, if the ocean grinds at the, at the pebbles long enough, Absolutely. Well, it, it is true, you know, and there is something obsessive and, what's the word, you know, a bit OCD, really, about... Um, about songwriting, or me anyway. Because mm. I did, just before Kev hit out on the Camino Trail, and we actually played it on a podcast, mm. I found a note for a song that i written 35 years ago or something like that, at least 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just started to play it on, again on the, on the new 12-string. And uh, by that night, I sent it to Kev, by that night we had a new song. So... That's and right, I am yeah. d- deeply, deep, and I think it's a good one. I think it's a really good, great song. And I am deeply, deeply superstitious about not throwing stuff away. Mm. Like, if I lose a bit of tape, and I've done this several times over the years, I, I am really fed up. I mean, that would have been, I know damn well that was going to be the best song I'd ever written, <laughs> yeah. and I just misplaced it. You know, I actually think as well that particular song as well, Steve, because I came in with some lyrics as well on that, and it was really, it was exactly at the right moment for me to put down some ideas that were in my mind at the time as I was about to set out. So it 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 was fortuitous, you know, just the serendipity of of you finding it at that moment and me getting me exactly the right moment to come up with that stuff. Yeah, no, no, there was a kind of a slight conscious that I knew you you'd like that because yeah, yeah. the nature of the song. Yeah. But that, I guess that's a bit they don't often write about in creativity, isn't it? It's mm. a bit of uh, r- rampant opportunism. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a, it's a gift with, like, it, it can be fairly a fairly obvious inspiration, like like when I met Pinetop Perkins. I mean, how can you not write a song about the guy that's, yeah. you know, knew Robert Johnson? You know, you, you have to. Do. Yeah. But then there's also the, the, the stories, the little half stories. Um, I was staying in a motel in, in Austin and um, got stopped by the police who were heading back to the motel and the the... the apartment next door was all sealed off and there was a forensic police van there and everything and and it apparently there'd been um a murder there you know but now i never found out any more about it but you just take that nugget and expand and think well what what would the story be behind that what what's happening in that room um and then you've got your you know you've got your your springboard for your own story then haven't you I mean, that's the thing. Look, going through all the bits from um, American Wilderness Odyssey, that's the project that's coming out in a couple of weeks, you know, some of the origins are tiny little specks of dirt that, mm. you know, to, to go down the a metaphor route again, you know, they're the, the specks of dirt that turn into the pearls, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? Um, um, and, and sometimes it's these huge swathes of uh, um, adventure and meeting people and the characters and the locations and all of that goes into a three minute song yeah so you can we've we've, we've come at it from both ways we've come at it with these huge stories that we condense down mm. uh, and we've come at it from this little spark that we explode into a that's a job a in itself thing. as well you know because you, when you when you go off on these kind of adventures particularly the one that S- steve's done in in recent years it it when you come back with with a tale like um you know the, the 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 one about the 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 hanging of of the woman and stuff it's it's such yeah. a vast story and then we have to find a way to tell it i mean it it did end up quite a long song but <laughs> never nevertheless <laughs> yeah. to condense it into a story of a song 
uh, context yeah. instead of a book is is I think it's a skill that we we are getting better at as well. You know, it's a, not everybody can can really get across the depth of a story in in three or or in that case five or six minutes. You know, it's not it's not easy. Eight minutes. Is it? <laughs> okay. Yeah, more like eight minutes. I think. <laughs> Thinking about my own sort of how I originate stuff because obviously because you guys are are much more in the sort of song world, lyrics and music. And most of my stuff, I mean, I've written so- songs with Steve where I provide the music and Steve's written the the, the, the the words and or the tune, things like that. But a lot of my sort of instrumental stuff that I've written over the years, I'm just thinking now about, about what, what sort of sparks things. Mm. Um, and quite often with my jazz things, it's as simple as a, a, a two or three chord, chord sequence from another piece mm. that I think, oh, that's I, I like that chord sequence, and it starts sparks off an entire other thing. Yeah. Um, one of the I wrote I wrote a, a little jazz piece, which I gave the title "Dinner at the Palace," the palace being um, uh, a hotel in Manchester, not Buckingham Palace or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but uh, and for some reason this chord sequence that was in another piece, which I've long since forgotten what it was, but the piece I was writing, this chord sequence reminded me of this sort of old couple for sort of highfalutin swanky times having dinner at this posh hotel in yeah. Manchester. And for some reason, there was something about these this chord and the fact it was, for the music geeks out there, it was start, it's in minor key. So it starts on a two, which is a diminished chord in itself, which is already rather unstable. But the melody is actually on the fourth degree of that mm. chord. So it doesn't fit in technically in the chord. You know, tr- the chords are made up of one, three, five normally, yeah. and then the, the, the seven. But this was a four, and you're not really allowed to do that, yeah. except in everybody does it all, you know, all over the place in yeah. classical music, yeah, in yeah. jazz, in in pop music, everywhere. Particularly a minor or diminished chord with a four. So it started off with that, and it's got a very particular sound to it, and I. I and then it goes to a five, which is the dominant, which is always leading you somewhere, mm. and it leads to one. So it goes two, five, one. A really common chord sequence in thousands and millions of pieces of music around the world. But there was just something about this that inspired me to write, to write the rest of the piece. And it sounds that suggests things to you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you just I, and uh, and also thinking interestingly for me, although I am perhaps more inclined to make notes technologically, I'll make sort of little snippets on my notes app on my phone or whatever, or even record little melody snippets um when i write a an instrumental piece like that it's with pencil and paper i have these little a5 size bits of manuscript paper and they sit on my keyboard and i sit and i work out the bits with a with a with a pencil and, and paper mm. I, th- I think it's it's sort of a reaction to how almost in a way that i really i really got into music when i was a young teenager was finding out you could make music on a computer and you could record music into a computer and it would p- appear on the screen as notation. Yeah, I think I've spoken about that on this podcast before. And that blew my mind. And it was probably one of the things that got me into music a lot because I could make my own stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's something in me that reacted back to that thinking, actually, you end up writing to the computer rather than to what uh, you really want to be saying. Yeah, uh, And maybe that's the same reason why you guys prefer to write things with pen and paper. I think you have to retain... A bit of childlike innocence with, with with writing songs, you know. Otherwise, it just sounds contrived. And I think in it, in it too, there's this whole bit of troublesome bit of your relation to what you're writing about. You know, um, whether it's about you or it's about your experience or um, or, 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 or something somebody's told you, but 
Am I talking the truth, our truth, or am I just making this up? It, yes. It's a really, a really difficult one, and um, it's. I, I think there's a bit in songwriting where you've got to be a bit kind of crazy because you've got to, you've got to be this childlike innocence almost about what you think, but also there's to be a little ruthless bit that says but that won't make a particularly good song and or I'll hold that at a bit more distance or, no, this isn't totally about me. And, and it's that, there's a song by, I think it's called The Tower Song, I might be wrong, by Towns Van Zandt. Oh, yeah. And, and it's a, it is the most anguishing song about a breakup. But mm. the last verse, he says, well, at least I get some songs out of this. You get nothing. And, I, and, and there was something brutally honest about it. That is it. Yeah, about honesty, that it really yeah. shocked me. You know, when I read it, I, I, I heard it, and I thought, "Wow, that's yeah. that's such." It's very courageous and also a really ruthless thing to say. <laughs> probably got to know our attics a little better than we have for a while. Those, of course, who have attics. You know that space above the stairs that requires a rickety ladder to get in? And we've all feel compelled, perhaps, to sort things out. The final, final Star Trekian frontier being the attic and all the deep mysteries that lie in. And I'm the same. And that's what I've been doing. And up there alongside the rocking horse, yes, there is a rocking horse. It's a whole range of other loose ends from the rest of my life. Attics are full of might-be stuff. Uh, Might be useful. Might need that one day. Might do for the grandchildren. Although what they would want with a broken Furby, I haven't a clue. Well, amongst the might-be stuff, there is always a few nuggets of forgotten gems. The things that the second you see them, or touch them, or hear them, a door opens into another world, somewhere in your past. A world of photographs, of old walking boots, of the sweet cheap knick-knacks of long-gone souls, the ones you just couldn't bear to throw away. And for me, a box of old tapes of forgotten songs, written 40 years ago, back when I played in another trio with my school chum Tim, who would play five or six different instruments at a gig, and Nicky Berry, with a voice like an angel, who could still the roughest crowd with a gentle melody. And I listened to those songs, and I came across one that I had completely forgotten writing. And in the strange synchronicity of time, it was exactly relevant to the subject me and the boys were talking about in the podcast. It was a song about writing your own song. All those songs about the road. 
all those songs about the road by those who've never stirred in all the places they'd never been they'd always find a girl i smiled at myself my truculent attitude has not changed much i still think you should write songs about what you know and experience and feel and so here it is a song performed by a little folk band Firkin the Fox back in 1980 recorded live and unburnished through a single mic Most songs about the road by those who never stood and all the places they've never been made always find a girl I don't Songs of love and freedom Full of well-worn lies Tales of war and brotherhood With the wool pulled over their eyes I don't believe them I don't want to hear those songs Those songs of love and freedom
Hello listeners, you join me again as the sun sets on October the 8th. I reached the outskirts of Ribbard Cellar around 1830 and I pondered camping next to some motorhomes but I thought it too risky on the main road despite there being some fresh water there. I thought about the day I'd just had, the meeting with the dog that looked into my eyes and thought it was perhaps one of life's best. I took the cheapest room I could find in town and spent a peaceful night. Friday, October the 9th, I headed out over the bridge, away from Ribbard Cellar, and about one kilometre out I found a nice little cafe for coffee and a brownie. I planned to reach Gijon in three days, so today I decided to take it easy. Let's see what the day brings. Today seems to be giving me hills, up and down a lot, but I feel light-hearted and healthy. A cheery Buen Camino from a passing pro cyclist cheered me too. I also found, finally, my staff. It didn't feel right buying one, and I'd held off. I sort of knew it would find me. That robe magic again. And there it lay, entangled in wire that had failed to hold back the crumbling cliffs. I knew it was mine immediately, and I would spend time making it my own. I also met Betsy from Oregon, a lovely American lady who was also on the Camino. Somehow we got talking about the Appalachians and the PCP dens up there. So I told her of our song. The Long Road, of course, recording songs about stories of those mountains due to Steve's treks. Sometimes there is such synchronicity. As we came off the trail to the main road, the ocean sat before us, majestic as always. She headed down to the cafe and I sat in the most idyllic spot to eat lunch, watching the waves crash and tumble before me. I spent a while here enjoying lunch and it was such a tranquil place. And I had a companion, a small, beautiful bronze and gold lizard, popped his head out from the gap in the table planks and considered what to do. Step by careful step, he revealed himself, glinting beautifully in the sunlight. He was stunning. We sat, he and I, contemplative, enjoying the sunshine, just two creatures enjoying the same gift. Finally moving on, I headed once more for Kalunga. The weather seemed to be holding, and I was determined to camp this night. I had many people wishing me Buen Camino, including two old ladies and a motorbiker who shouted it and fist-pumped as he whizzed by. It really does put an extra spring in your step. I began to feel that my staff was a part of me. I'd found the right fit in my hand. Strange how quickly that happened. And indeed, as I returned to my home here in the south of Spain many months later and was finally reunited with it, All those memories came flooding back to me. This stuff will accompany me on every journey. Tune in next time to find out how the rest of that day and night went. adventure part of my secret christmas project uh, rather than buying more stuff 
for people. Uh, I made handmade chocolates, packaged them up, uh, and made a little self-deprecating menu as a PDF for everybody. Menu? Is that the right word? You know, whatever the, the little card that you put in a box of chocolates that tells you what the flavours are. That. Um, anyway, so uh, last week I took us through the steps to get to the uh, the test batch in early December. I was pleasantly surprised that it all went quite well, really, structurally and technically. Um, Flavour-wise, a couple of clangers, but lessons learnt. Um, whilst I was by no means uh, a chocolate expert, I felt much more clued up about it all in the uh, the last weekend before Christmas soon reared its head, a uh, production weekend. I had decided on um, relatively straightforward flavourings in the end, some straightforward, simple milk, dark and white chocolate ones, hopefully covering a bunch of sort of broad bases with each of those for just about anybody. Then a classic, uh, milk chocolate and orange. Uh, I wasn't sure if just the zest would be enough for the flavour or if the juice would add anything flavour-wise, um, so I did cheat a little bit with this one and used a very few drops of orange extract as well. Um, and actually these turned out great. Terry would have been pleased or threatened. Possibly my favourite next, uh, a white chocolate shell with passion fruit curd and a lemon white chocolate ganache. Uh, anything with passion fruit in is a winner for me. It was delish. Um, another contender, though, lime and dark chocolate. This one worked really surprisingly well. Um, it was inspired by an old pal of mine who would secretly hand out exquisite, expensive chocolate on tough days at work as a little pick-me-up. Um, I did have bigger ambitions for some more flavours, something with peanuts or peanut butter or something like that I would have liked, but perhaps it's a bit contentious, really. Um, similarly, ginger and dark chocolate, I'm a fan of usually, and plenty of my family are, but I just couldn't track down the, the stem ginger in time to do any experimentation with it, so I had to abandon that one. Another one I gave up on was pistachios. For some reason, I think of pistachios as this very Christmassy nut in our household. Um, although I really don't know why. Anyway, perhaps next year for the pistachio one. Um, anyway, flavours sorted. I was fairly happy with how they were going to turn out. Next, I had to decide, slash work out, slash make do, with the uh, the decorations. I had a couple of sprays, uh, one silver, one gold, glittery. Now, the thing I've learnt with this is as soon as you spray anything in your kitchen with one of these sprays, one of these glitter sprays, that's it. Glitter everywhere. Glitter on the wooden spoons, glitter on the kettle, glitter on the toaster, just everywhere. But decoration-wise, they probably were the most effective. Um... Other ones, I used a coloured... Well, I managed to colour some white chocolate. Um, I was in the dark a little bit here about, but I sort of persevered, made it work. Um, a couple of the designs ended up looking like, well, rather nippular. Uh, sort of, one was a bright blue nipple. Um, but visually distinctive, for sure. Um one was going to be multiple little dots dotted around. It was a lovely idea, but practically very hard to pull off. Um, gravity still exists, you see. So if you paint a dot on the side of one of these little moulds, it, well, it just slides down to the bottom. So that design of dots quickly became crosses. Um, anyway, decorations painted in, chocolate tempered, put the coating for the shell in the mould, wait, check it, wait some more, fill it, cool it, wait, check wait some more, <laughs> put the base on, cool it, wait a good long while, then turn it out. And actually, most of them did turn out really well. A um, couple were cracked, but that was always going to happen. 
Um, so this isn't really a long story short. It's a long story long. Uh, but I had a ball. Um, I've never done anything as complicated or as time-consuming in the kitchen, I don't think. Uh, but the results were very pleasing. They tasted great, which was, for me, the most important thing. Uh, and if they didn't look at least sort of good or fine, then they looked hilariously bad, which fed very nicely into the um, the self-deprecating menu I prepared. Um, would I go rushing back to make another batch of chocolates? Not quite, but but certainly one day. Um, effort to result ratio is a, is a bit wonky on this one in my book, not perhaps uh, dissimilar to my croissant adventures, uh, but actually as an infrequent sort of little treat, little adventure, it can stay on the list of things that I'll do. Um, just go to show with a little time invested and a lot of googling, you can put your mind to anything. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you for listening wherever in the world you are. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. The next episode will be out next Friday. Uh, join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash the Vagabond Way. Find The Vagabond Way or Steve Bonham and the Long Road on Facebook. All of our music is on Bandcamp, where you can support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download, streaming, vinyl, CDs, it's all there. Uh, head to thevagabondway.bandcamp.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout-out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon, and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon. To help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, our YouTube show, and some new things that we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive patron-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive livestream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within, patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds, and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. (laughs) 